are back. You know, I should I should cite more of the things that you send us. I, I do want to thank Nancy for the following email. I got your point on the show regarding war spending versus the post office deficit. But the truth is, the only reason the post office is running a deficit is because of an ill-conceived law, thanks to GOP, that requires them to pre-fund retirement at a rate greater than any other private pension or even public entity. It is pre-funding pensions for employees that aren't even hired yet. This is part of the GOP strategy for sinking the post office and privatizing mail service. Nancy goes on to say, the money spent on wars slash military isn't necessary to save the post office, but it surely can be used to fix our broken health care system. Well, good point. I do want to take a moment to editorialize about one thing I'm pretty sure is not going to help fix our broken health care system, and that would be Homeopathic Remedies, a frequent contributor to this program, provided me with uh, some medications he wanted me to try out, perhaps in conjunction with our interview with Simon Singh some time back, in which he pretty much destroys the topic of homeopathy, or at least the theory of homeopathy, or, well, I guess it's both the theory and practice, takes, gets a pretty good beating. But I was given some homeopathic uh, remedies and told that these are helping me sleep. Why don't you try them? I dare you to try them and then talk about it on your show. I accepted the challenge, although I did ask, what dose should I take? If it says you're supposed to take one or two, let's say I take four. Conventional medicines would have a greater effect, but since homeopathy is based on dilutions, does that mean I will dilute the effect by increasing the amount of medication? Well, I wasn't sure, and he wasn't either. But uh, at first I took three instead of two, and the next night I took four instead of one or two. And I must say, I must say that I do have to admit something. I have to admit that it probably was wrong of me to go off and claim that homeopathic remedies are ridiculous and bogus, at least without trying them. Now I've tried them, and I can tell you with some assurance that they are ridiculous and bogus, to which I would add, please. Please, dear listener, save your money. But I do want to add, the experiment is not complete yet. I intend to eat the entire blister pack tonight, which is, I guess, 12 doses, and see what happens. I'm fairly confident that nothing will happen, but I should perform the experiment just to see. So I will. Stay tuned. Now, Ms. McMillan advises me that I probably should take one or two, which is the recommended dose, to see what happens, to which I would reply... Hey, back off, man. I'm a professional. All right, and a completely different topic, I do want to offer a, a word of thanks to our sometime contributor, Matt Perry, for putting me in touch with the admirable Jack Gallagher. Mr. Gallagher currently has a one-man show running at the B Street Theater titled Complete and Unfinished. I have not yet seen it but plan to do so before the run is over. Thanks to Matt, I had a chance to speak with, uh, with Jack Gallagher after his uh, performance last weekend, and he has agreed to come on the show after his obligations to uh, work like a horse. <laughs> I don't know how he does it, sometimes with two shows a day. I don't know how anybody can do that. Anyway, we hope he will be on the show in the future to uh, talk about his comedy stylings. We, we look forward to that. All right, we talked at the top of the show about uh, going down to Hollywood. Uh, 
in the third segment, and I think it's I think it's time, to which I would add that it's Oscar time again, and this year's events have a conflict over the obituary role that takes a look back at the Hollywood figures who have passed away the prior year. During this three-minute remembrance, some figures are a sure bet to be noted, Ernest Borgnine, for example, but once the obvious choices are made, there is a brouhaha over who among lesser entertainment figures will also be honored. Publicist Sheldon Roskin has been rebuffed so far in an effort to see colleague Tommy Cullah, a PR specialist, get a spot in this year's tribute. To help us sort this out, we invite back to Radio Parallax our own Hollywood agent, Mr. David Rosenblum. Welcome back, David. Doug, I'd like to note that not only is Sheldon a first-class publicist, but also a client of mine for 29 years. Well, as we've said before, you are the agent to the agents to the stars. Yeah, you bet. And Sheldon is correct in this controversy. Meaning? Meaning I agree that no tribute at this Oscar ceremony can be complete without a nod to a giant like the late, rest his soul, Tommy the Eraser Color. The Eraser? That was my nickname for him. I think of the headlines that Tommy kept from the papers. It was like an eraser had been used on the columns. Do you recall Ernie Borgnine cold-cocking red buttons at the cast party for the Poseidon adventure? Then shoved his head into the punch bowl after pushing Shelley Winters in the pool at the Beverly Hilton? Well, no, I sure don't. Well, my friend, that's because Mr. Culler was on the job. He'd pick up the phone and talk to a Winchell or a Kilgallen. He'd explain it so no untoward publicity arose to mar the premiere of such a film. This was important in the case of this classic. Uh, a movie about an upside-down ocean liner, a disaster film? Not just a cinema classic, Doug, but a prophetic film in many ways. Have you read about the cruise liners lately? The one in Italy that flipped like a pancake? And they've been towing one this week. Well, maybe those cruise companies could use a publicist like you, David. Well, modesty and certain legal constraints prevent me from detailing what the cruise liner industry will do in the future. But here's a hint. Kevin Costner and the Caribbean in spring. And a cruise with Tom Cruise next fall. This is to counter the news of sewage-filed ships being towed to port. Doug, no industry is immune to acts of God or in some cases the acts of an inexperienced Panamanian crew, but it's what one does about it that shows who has their heart in the right place. But uh, back to Tommy. All right. People fail to realize what publicity does for you. It can make you, and it can break you. Not unlike plastic surgery, actually. Let's say the public thought of Ernest Borgnine not as a lovable galoot, but a drunken SOB. It could have been box office poison, especially since Red was such a shrimp, you know. I, David, I thought all publicity was good publicity. Sure you did. This is what separates a professional from a misinformed public. Thinking out of wedlock love child will promote one's career? I tell you, this will likely misfire, unless your name is Kardashian. Well, how does one sweep stuff under the rug? If I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> Seriously, it's all about trust. If a red button gets his head shoved in the sangria for 20 seconds, a good publicist like Tommy will get on the horn and explain too sweet that Ernie had been under a lot of stress and his doctor had written him for cronyludes. It wasn't the real him, you see. Uh-huh. Explain it to the right people in the right way, and they are not so titillated by that morsel. Of course, you do have to feed them another piece about some two-bit actress shooting her ex-husband in the crotch, but such tradable items are like streetcars. There's always another one coming. You just keep checking the street. Oh, oh my. By the way, before that golden hour was up, Borg 9 had apologized, bought Red a new outfit, and arranged to take him to Vegas and hang out with Sinatra. It got fixed fast. Well I'm, well, I'm pleased to hear it. Ah, the Med became pals. Red got on several episodes of Mikhail's Navy playing Admiral Donuts. Remember that? No. Well, 
red buttons needed the work done pretty badly, so it all came out fine. What uh, what about the wet Shelly winners? <laughs> Look, everyone assumed she was just plain old drunk. They figured she slipped on the macaroni salad some of us thoughtfully spilled near the diving board. You, everybody thought this. Well, enough people did. Shelly actually was roaring drunk. She hadn't even realized she'd been pushed in. <laughs> well, I, I guess you caught a break there. Listen, if they do not put color in that old bit tribute, some of us are going to organize a protest. My clients will speak out. J.J. Dynamite Walker, Emo Phillips, and, and Liza Minnelli. Liza Minnelli's your client? No, but her bartender is, and she listens to reason. Do you think they'd have been a Tony Curtis without Tommy? He'd have been Bernie Schwartz in a Bronx pizzeria laying down pepperoni instead of romance in Marilyn Monroe. I see. Yeah, he'd, and he'd have been back doing that after he was Tony Curtis, were it not for Tommy. Is that so? It certainly is. Tony, God rest his soul, did make some choices that were not the best. You know, it's funny you say that, David. We used one of his quotes on the show a couple weeks ago, which was, I think, uh, that he wouldn't be caught dead marrying a woman old enough to be his wife. <laughs> Boy, was that Bernie. I love the guy. But if you were married to Janet Lee and then you take up with a 17-year-old on the set, you could be one step away from putting on the extra cheese at Rico's House of Pizza after time in the big house, you know? Well, not, well how, how did that scandal get avoided? Avoided? Thanks to the knuckleheads they had working security, it made the London Times. I think they were reading about it on Easter Island. <laughs> so what did they do? What we call pulling a chaplain. The divorce papers were final with Janet, so it was legal. Ten minutes before a judge, and it goes from a statutory rape to a color spread of the new Mrs. Curtis shopping on Rodale. So you married him to his co-star? I did not know, but yes, it was done. I can tell you that as agent for the agent in question, I did arrange to fly at a minister on a charter jet, and it helped. Well, that sounds expensive. Well, how expensive does it sound to have your star in the Who's Gal while the shooting schedule goes kaput? Well, expensive, I suppose. <laughs> we helped each other. Look, when I needed to get a floating bathtub big enough for Jim Belushi to paddle across Lake Arrowhead, Tommy came through. You know, I'm not even going to ask. Yeah, it was for the made-for-TV movie. I'm not going there, David. Yeah, it was Bob Johnson's Fantastic Speed Circus, part two. We wanted a John Belushi-type comic. So why'd you pick Jim Belushi? Well, they had the same last name, and they do look alike somewhat. I believe they were, in fact, related. Yeah. Uh, well, what are the odds that you publicists are going to see, too, that Tommy makes this year's Oscar uh, uh, a tri tribute? No, the odds are good. Do not underestimate Sheldon or me. Well, we never have, David, except perhaps that time you told us that you'd, you had the rights to Lawrence of Arabia. Look, Doug, how, how, how did I know that more than one guy named Lawrence had been to Arabia and wrote a book about it? Anyway, if they can give time to costume people and Marvin Hamlish, for God's sake, then a PR mensch must be recognized. Hey, did I ever tell you how Sheldon got Rock Hudson married off when those swishy rumors started? You know, you never did. Well, I won't either. <laughs> it, it's a touchy topic to this day. Well, David, come back and tell us more when you can. Well, I can't on that one, but let me ask you. Can I get a quick plug-in for the spring cruise sensation Trinidad and Tobago and Waterworld? <laughs> well, if you, don't, if you don't mention any prices, I guess you can. If you know anyone whose idea of fun is to cruise the Caribbean and rub shoulders with Kevin Costner and the hot yoga room and crap tables... And who wouldn't? Exactly. Let them know that this cruise is about to become a reality. So can you guarantee no stopped-up toilets or, or a toe into port? Such is not within my power to grant, Doug, but I can promise a simulation of a world where there is no dry land. Water world. Well, doesn't just about every cruise get away from dry land? 
Doug, imagine taking a kayak through a pontoon film set. Patrons will think they're in the movie. Well, that's assuming you can find anyone who actually saw Waterworld, I guess. But, uh, but I guess that's very topical in a world with melting ice and rising seas. Hey, good point. We'll have to use that in our uh, TV spots. No charge, David. <laughs> You're such a kidder. <laughs> anyway, thanks. Well, we're out of time. Good luck Sunday. Doug, I'll see you post-Oscars. Very good. That, of course, was Mr. David Rosenblum, the agent to the agent to the stars. He is our very own Hollywood correspondent. Well, along with Gail Murphy, but we won't quibble. All right, we got about four minutes left. Let's do a lightning round of a bunch of quick items. On last week's show, or the week before, I don't remember which, we mentioned the statistic that Americans watch eight hours of television a day. I thought that was a bit high, and it apparently was. The most recent stat I could find from the Nielsen Company is the average person stays glued to the boob tube for 158 hours every month, which works out to five hours and 13 minutes a day, which is still way too much TV, folks. Although I have to admit to developing quite a taste for Pawn Stars. I know it's contrived, I know it's phony baloney sometimes, but you learn a lot of history watching their shtick. And when you can be informative and entertaining at the same time, well, it's a good thing. All right, here's an item. I'm not sure whether we touched on this in previous programs, uh, but if we did, we're going to do it again. So I think a piece by Matthew Bell writing in The Independent, there appears to be a bias out there against red-haired people. Noted Mr. Bell, bigotry against redheads is the one form of racism that still goes unchallenged, even uncondemned. Exhibit A, the largest sperm bank in the world, Cryos, in Denmark, has just announced it will reject all future donations from would-be donors with red hair. Saying, quote, nobody, it seems, wants a ginger baby, unquote. Imagine the sputtering indignation if sperm banks were suddenly refusing donations from blacks, or say, from the Welsh. We have to admit, that doesn't seem right. All right, here's a couple of mixed bag items in the couple minutes we have left. Note of the National Journal last month, in equipping its Washington headquarters with solely U.S.-made products, the Alliance for American Manufacturing found that the cheapest domestically manufactured microwave retails for $550 which is 10 times the price of Walmart's least expensive offering from Asia, which goes for $55. You can save a lot of labor costs by paying people $2 a day and putting them in dormitories like in China, can't you? All right, moving right along, Reason.com notes that carbon emissions from U.S. power plants were 12% lower last year than at their peak in 2007, even though the economy is now larger. Emissions last year were about the same as they were in 1995. This is largely because cheaper domestic natural gas has supplanted dirtier coal in power plants. All right, we have all of one minute left. I think I'm going to go to our archives and pull out one of my all-time favorites, which sadly is no longer with us, which was Esquire Magazine's annual Dubious Achievements of the Year Awards. As we hope you will recall, Esquire would cite a real news story that happened the previous year and then put a headline on it that put it in perspective in perspective as a dubious achievement, that is. For example, from 2005, influenced by her practice of Kabbalah, Madonna announced she was taking the name Esther. 
Esquire's caption, Haven't the Jews suffered enough? And this from 2004. During a divorce hearing, first brother, Neil Bush, admitted that he had had extramarital sex while he was in Thailand and Hong Kong years ago. Bush claimed he didn't know the women were prostitutes. To a lawyer's claim that it was a pretty remarkable thing for a man just to go to a hotel room door and open it and have a woman standing there and have sex with her, he replied, it was very unusual. But of course, the best part is Esquire's caption, which was, and Neil's the smart one. And lastly, from their look back at 03 and their 2004 issue, we have this. Trying to draw out Saddam Hussein loyalists by angering them, U.S. military forces plastered Tikrit with posters of the deposed dictator's face superimposed on Zsa Zsa Gabor, Rita Hayworth, and Billy Idol. Esquire's caption, Where did they find posters of Billy Idol? That about does it for today's program, which was produced by Edward McMillan. Our thanks to David Rosenblum and our old pal Will Durst. I'm Douglas Everett. You've been listening to Radio Parallax, and we, of course, urge you to do the same a week from today. We'll see you then. Meanwhile, don't touch that dial, because KDVS's musical programming now resumes with Shark Hour, taking you to 8 o'clock, followed by esotericism and the occult in the western world between 8 and 9 and then between 9 and 11 either I'm not sure which it'll be sounds like work with Lauren or revenge of the handlebar mustache by calamity Jane it's some good stuff check it out it's a nice day for a white wedding it's a nice day to start again What's your vice-wish? Hey, little sister, shotgun, oh, yeah. Hey, little sister, who's your superman? Hey, little sister, shotgun.